welcome those by way of television this morning and welcome those are listening radio and all means of communication. We're experiencing sudden things in our world and I'm going to be talking about those sudden things. I just want to thank all those who are supporting our church by their prayer support and their financial support. Those who were here yesterday cleaning the outside of the church and the inside of the church. We had just a cleaning day and getting all ready for voting. Robbinsdale, if you're in the Robbinsdale area, you can come here and, and vote. Thank God that God is using this church in a mighty way, and, and we trust that God will bless you today as we bring forth his message. If you would turn in your bulletins, your bulletins this morning, to 620, 620, the church, and I'm going to ask Kathy if she'd sit this morning. It's taken from God's Word, Matthew 16, Ephesians 5, and 2, 1 Corinthians 12, and Colossians chapter 1, just a few verses about the church. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked his disciples, who? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They said, Then Jesus said to them, as Jesus would say to you and I today, but who do you say that I am? And Jesus answered, and he's answering you and I today by saying, blessed are you. And you could put your name in there, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, my Father who is in heaven. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water from the word. So then, you are no longer strangers and sojourners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now, you are the body of Christ. Give yourself a hug, church. Cross your arms and hug yourselves. For you are the body of Christ, and you individually members of it. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. And I'd like to have Kathy prepared to responsively read 621, if she would. And Mike, would you come front and center and be prepared to share... Boone called and he said he wasn't feeling very good, so he's not going to be with us 
this morning, and we're going to look at this scripture too, 621, and then I'm going to look at 622. Mike has selected verses. He's got a wide variety that he can choose from to read from. And this portion of scripture is taken from Matthew 18, Mark 9 and 10. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest? Greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus called a little child unto him, and sent him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso This is one one of the many reasons. The many reasons I'm pro life. I've emailed many of you um a position paper that a Catholic priest had sent on Catholicism and Christianity and pro-life, and I hope that you take it seriously. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. And they brought young children to Jesus that he should touch them. And, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Verily. Whenever you see those verilies in the Bible, you better prop up both your ears. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, they shall not enter heaven. And their angel took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Would you join me in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And at this time, I'd like to call on Lee, and I believe, Mike, you have chosen the scriptures you're going to be sharing. And Lee, would you come with special music at this time?
Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning, Mike. Oh. See, I happens when I get dressed in the dark. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> really, I didn't. <laughs> Our sermon today, um, my latest sermon, is going to be on a, a few, four or five different verses. And... Um, First one I'm going to go to is Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I really can't think of anything better, a, a better saying for, for the world that we live in now in today's society and current cultural settings. It's hard to imagine but it's going to get infinitely worse. I think people are calling good, evil, and evil good now. Wow. It's going to be infinitely worse. That's going to happen just before and during the tribulation. Darkness will be called light, and light will be called darkness. The reason this is written is because it's especially applied to the scribes and the Pharisees of Jesus' time. Be mindful, always, nowadays, that the word intolerance of us as Christians makes people seem like they hate us. But really, they don't. What they hate is the message coming from God himself. Jesus was perfect. He, was all, he never said a lie. He never did anything wrong. And he was crucified. We don't have it so bad. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Along with the apostles, this verse tells Christians, they will be hated and persecuted by the world because their hate, like I say, not necessarily for them, but for Jesus. Families are not always yet divided. And although we are not yet heavily persecu persecuted and killed because of our faith in Christ, we've all had certain degrees of being ignored, dismissed, or com negative commented on us and our faith because of we are outspoken Christians. That is totally to be, unfortunately, almost expected. But what we can be thankful is that the full weight and ugliness of Christian persecution has not come yet. When, when it's read in Matthew 10, 22, but he who endures to the end is speaking there specifically of the Jewish uh, people that will survive to the end of the tribulation, the great tribulation, I should say. You know, it's only a matter of time before this all happens. Be sure that between now and then, false prophets and even false Christ will come to deceive those that are not chosen.
and the persecution will become ever so much greater and more horrible for those that worship and have faith in the true Christ. Those that grip tightly, tightly to their faith and reject the hate and accusations living against them will be rewarded eternally. We're just passing through. We're not going to be in this mass forever. There's going to be a time when us Christians, I'm pointing to myself because I'm going back, but I know anybody who has faith in Christ, it's going to be in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. What's a few years of garbage compared to eternity in the company of Christ? Amen. In Romans 1, it's a prophetic interpretation of reality of once again in our current day. In this book, Paul introduces himself, and although he, he wants to be with the Romans, he can't because other responsibilities have kept him away. And Romans 1 really is a letter to a culture that was in moral decline. And actually, Romans 1 is a prophetic vision of society today and kind of describes this as well. Paul laments the men who have been shown the truth and deny it. In spite of hearing the message from God and knowing it, they still go in the opposite direction and go away from God. These people are without excuse for knowing what God has obviously made plain and shown to them. They are without excuse, like I said, but you know what? Even worse, they deserve his wrath. It says that they have exchanged God's glory for images of men and animals. They exchanged the truth for a lie and worship the created and don't give any heed and ignore the creator. Then God tells them that he will simply give them over to their base thinking and improper conduct. This isn't God telling them to do anything wrong. This is God simply saying, well, you think you know better? Fine, you're on your own. Verse 32 sums it up very well. Though they know God's decree that those who do such things deserve to die, they know it. They not only do it, but they approve those who practice it. In the end days, God will do the exact same thing. He'll just say, well, fine, enough's enough. I give up. You're on your own. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. For you yourselves know well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When people say, peace and security, there won't be any. 
then sudden destruction will come upon them as travail comes upon a woman with child. And there is no escape. The Lord's return will be anything but calculated and expected by the lost souls. No one knows the day, let alone the hour, that he will come back to earth. But God does this for a very great purpose. That purpose is for Christians. If you don't know when's God can come back, it could be tonight, could be tomorrow, could be next month, could be next year. But you know what? When he does come back, I want to be seen as in the light, not standing in the darkness. Those asleep, as the Bible says, do so at their own peril. It's human nature. Okay, remember when we were young, oh, oh parents are going to be home, we got to pick up. Or do this and that because they told us to. God can't and won't stand for that. That's why he doesn't say when he's coming back. It's very important to realize that. Especially when tribulation, he pulls himself back. They're going to take Bibles. They're going to take Christian programming. It's all going to go away. Not because God made it, but because he pulled back. There are salvation if people make last minute says, Oh, I know he's coming back tomorrow, so I'm going to behave and read my Bible tonight. Their salvation, they're basing their salvation on material things. God cannot and will not tolerate that. On second, second, second Thessalonians chapter 2 says this is one of the most widely misunderstood messages of the New Testament due to misinterpretations. Paul shows us God as sovereign over all, even, even evil and rulers and events. Paul specifically tells them to not be distraught by the false reports they have received about the disciples and their behavior towards Jesus and because of Jesus. They're getting false reports that said they're from the disciples, but they weren't. But you know what? They didn't have the discernment, and they fell for it. All the disciples says, we got to worship uh, this bowl of cereal. So, eh, no, no, no. That is exactly what Paul was railing against. An agent not driven or influenced by God is giving them worship and behavioral criticism and suggestions. Again, Paul was calming them down from receiving false reports supposedly from the disciples, but it wasn't. Paul knew that, so he went down to them. The thing in particular they were stressed about was missing the second coming. They'd actually read and believed this message from the so-called disciples that Jesus had already come back and they had missed it. I can't imagine that, but it happened. That happens in, uh, specifically in verse 2. In verse 3, 
he tells them not to be deceived. Just like a large number of human beings on this planet will be deceived during the end times. As I mentioned before, he assured them that second coming of Christ has specific signs that hadn't happened yet. It's like, hey, why did you buy that? It obviously has not happened because I told you how it happened. That has not happened. Paul continues by highlighting a rebellion must happen and the Antichrist will be revealed and set himself up as a temple to be worshipped as God. The word temple here is arguably a reference to Paul or uh, either Christ or the church. You can take it either way. Signs like these will only be too obvious to God's children that are reading the Bible and studying the Bible. But to the damned, all the events leading up, like the Antichrist setting himself up in the temple of God, they'll be written off as, ah, just the way it's going today. Christians will know the difference. Verse 6 says, that they know what is, restrain, what is restraining them, the Antichrist, until it is his time. In verse 7, it says that lawlessness is at work, and who is restraining him until that time. In verse 8, it says that the Lord will destroy him by his breath. Jesus will destroy the Antichrist with his word. That's how important the Bible is. That word can not only edify you and get you to heaven, it's going to take this man that took over the world, controls everybody, set himself up in the temple as to be worshipped as God. Jesus will come down and say, you're gone. Guess what? He's gone. His mouth, his words will do it. Just like written in the Bible for us. In verse 6 through 13, Paul again pointed out they should follow the example that he set for them while he was with them. While there, he wasn't just exemplifying behavioral manners. He was exemplifying spiritual principles. He said that they should work for their food and not eat before being thankful and praying. Another good meaning of that word work is not to be a disruption in church or by being a burden to others. They should replicate or copy his actions by not only being undisruptive in church, but also working hard to avoid being a burden on their neighbors. In verse 10 through 13, Paul instructs them, instructs them to work to earn their meals. Earn. Keyword there is earn. In other words, unproductive unproductivity should not be rewarded with food. In verse 12, we see that the working heart, that working heart exhorts Christ Himself. When you work hard, you're not just doing it for yourself. You're not just doing it for your kids. Well, yeah, they get the benefit. But really, you're exhorting him. That's why we should always work hard for what we have. 
verse, verse 14, he tells him how to react to a person that does not follow this advice. He instructs them to not just look down on them, but to storm them. Instead, warn them. They're brethren. They're being slothful. They're not working for what they get. It's our job as Christians, as commanded by Christ himself, to tell them, hey, pick yourself up. Do what you can do. You might not be able to do it all. Who can? <laughs> but at least work, work forward towards, towards uh, what you're going to get and what you're going to give your kids because really you're working for him. In verse 16, the benediction, which focuses on the love and grace of God in Christ, and Paul, Paul encourages them and us in hope by the eternal grace of God and us in every good deed and work. Like I said, when we're doing stuff, when we're working, whether it's at Target or a grocery store or a gas station or who knows, an office somewhere, you're not just working for yourself and your kids. You're exhorting him. Paul says this to edify and build up and encourage them and us as well. Mike, I, I realize one of your favorite colors is green. We have the pulpit, you know, dressed in green, and we have that um, hand cleanse, cleanser in green, too. Yeah. You know, I've, over the years, people are always a little bashful about their age, but Mike actually wears his age. 52 there? Okay. <laughs> that, that comes along with being 52 and, you know, hearing. But I'd like to present to Lee. Lee is really struggling with the fact of, you know, his voice. And be, uh, before you go down and present that to Lee, we want to present this to um, one of our favorite guest pastors. Oh. When he comes here, we want him to really feel comfortable. My and color. <laughs> it's your color. And when he's not utilizing it on Sundays, you may check out with him if he would share it with you. Because there's, there's some overlap in theology and in, in sports there, too. So. Theology, I'll die, but not sports. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike. You do a lot of work, I know, in preparation in that. And I'd like you all to stand, if you would. Kathy, if you'd like to come back again. And we're going to be um, reading from um, the scripture here. Mike, you want to give that to the pastor? We, we like to elevate our Christian stewards here, that, that cushion. So when he sits down, he be uplifted a little bit. But when he's not here, you check it out with him and might want to be cushioned and supported. Mike reinforced a lot of my scripture that I'll be sharing. And if you would turn with me to 622, Judgment and Reward. And it's taken from Matthew Gospel, Matthew chapter 25. It substantiates a lot of the claims that I'm going to be sharing with you today. When the Son of Man, which is Jesus comes as king and all the angels with him. He will sit on his royal throne and all the earth's people, say it with me, 
earth's people will be gathered before him. Then Then the king will say to the people on his right, you who are blessed by my father, come, come and receive the kingdom which has been prepared for you ever since the creation of the world. I was hungry and you fed me, thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you received me in your home. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. In prison and you visited me. The righteous will then answer him, When? When, Lord, did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or and give you drink. When did we ever see you a stranger and welcome you into our homes or, or naked and clothe you? When did we ever see you sick and, or in prison and visit you? Then he will say to those on his left, Away from me, you who are under God's curse. Away to the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I tell you, indeed, whenever you refuse to help one of these least important ones, you refuse to help me. Thank you. You may be seated. Lord, we want to thank you this morning for the victorious opportunity to worship you and to come into your presence with praise and worship. We want to thank you for those who labored with us yesterday and in the cleanliness and the stewardship and the upkeep of our church. We, we pray for Murray Waite, who is one of our older members that was here and was faithfully executing her duties at Fellowship Hall and then went outside and took a tumble and ended up in the hospital. We just pray, Father, that as she's home with her daughter, that she's recuperating. We pray for those by way of television that just need a special touch. Kathy Krause, who sends her love and greetings and has faithfully watched, and the, the mayors and countless others, dozens and thousands and hundreds that watch our presentation. We pray for those who may be facing challenges, physical challenges, spiritual, emotional challenges, for Sarah, Lord, and others that we bring to mind. Now we pray that you would bless the, the words and the meditation of my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, you and I have really experienced a lot of sudden changes. You know, we, I, I think growing up, I, you know, you could kind of anticipate maybe a change per year or so, and then, you know, um, more recently, the changes occurred, you know, every month and every week and now it seems every day there's uh, certain ch changes that occur and I happen to be counting the amount of times that Mike was um, sharing that word suddenly say it with me suddenly you know sudden things that occur in life this year um, certainly is not over with 
but it seems like we've be, been um, laden with all kinds of detours and, you know, COVID and virus and, you know, so-called um, professionals giving us advice on certain directions and that. Um, and the year is not over. It seemed just like yesterday we were wondering what we we're going to do for Easter and then Memorial Day and Fourth of July and Labor Day and and now we're moving into the the um, season of Thanksgiving and I believe we do have a lot to to be thankful for. And certainly this year is not over and some can't wait. It seems like for the end of the year and. I've always been one to feel that life is just passing us by so tremendously fast. Um, the only time I, I felt that um, things um, dragged is when maybe we were in schooling and, and vacations went by so fast. Um, it has been a tough year with much um, turbulence, I believe much prophetic prophetic significance, say it with me, prophetic significance. It has, um, it's difficult to narrow the stories down, tremendous stories, and I'm not here to um, chronicle all the fake news and all I, which I believe is prophetic news. Space is only limited, so I must um, concise my words to a few, few items this morning. Um, among all the fake news and the false um, um, presentations that have been given, and we have to kind of sort out much that's given to us, accounts. We um, almost sense maybe there's a decline in America. There is really no end time, end time um, um, power in the Bible which is given to the place of, of the United States. Many of you that have been joining us on Wednesday by, by Zoom over the past few months, we've been studying um, very ferociously the book of Revelations and that. It's a hard book. Um, the Bible, other than a revived Roman Empire um, from which the Antichrist will, will headquarter. And thus, um, prof, prophecy, Prophecy teachers and prophecy um, preachers have um, always known America is somewhat in a decline. Um, this year we have um, watched capitalism, you know, um, free enterprise. I could never really imagine, you know, I, I remember during Christmas vacation, during my seventh grade, I had to write a paper on, on communism. It turned out to be 21-some pages um, for my English class. And I learned a lot about communism. I learned a lot about socialism. And um, I um, realized that this year we've watched capitalism come under attack and attack by socialism and, and Marxism and globalism. And um, I, I never sensed that capitalism capitalism would would come under such tremendous um, threats you know that paper that I wrote um, I think I I kept it up until a few years ago when my my wife cleaned my office and uh, you know I 
I um, kind of like to keep those papers where you get a big old A-plus on. But there was a threat um, then, and I think there's a greater threat now in socialism and globalism, um, which is her heralded by, by some courts, some progressives, um, being deluded, I believe, political leaders are even even hailing, hailing Marxism, Marxism. Um, during my my commission uh, as an officer, I had to study various isms, life, military, in order to make rank and grade. Remember those days, um, PME, and you know studying and oh wow, I mean it was just horrible the things that, you know, military was going through. I'm hoping that you agree with me that there's a rise in lawlessness and anarchy. We, we see an unbridled lawlessness in Matthew chapter 24, 25, and 26 in all the references of scripture that I put in the bulletin and, and as we studied on Wednesday in the book of Revelation, although the context of both is tribulation that ultimately we think times are bad, that times are going to get a lot worse. So once again we see tribulation events casting a long shadow on the, um, the church and we are in the church age since the birth of Christ and here in America literally it seems like all hell is breaking loose. As Mike was sharing earlier it seems the up up is down and down is up and righteousness and unrighteousness and in our republic. Our republic and the rule of law, um, which I had to learn in school and I think is, is abbreviated in education now and certainly in the military we learned it's, it's kind of like, it seems like it's disintegrating right before our eyes. At the root of this is this spirit. It's a spirit of the Antichrist. If you do a word study on just the word Antichrist in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, it um, seems that peace efforts in the Middle East, and keep your eye on the Middle East, we can um, debate the practical of these events and we and should America and Europe even um, in, intrude on Israel with peace efforts. There's many presidents that have talked both political views on, on Israel but we know that God repeatedly says in his word that those who are are supportive of Israel God will bless those those who curse Israel, God will curse them. There's a blessing upon those who support Israel, peace efforts. And um, nonetheless, they are setting the, the stage for peace deals proposed and certain views of the Antichrist and the false prophets and and the year is not over, so more peace efforts may take place before the year end. And, 
and, and I'm reminded of the, um, those haunting words of Jeremiah chapter 4, 14, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. So there's this rise of lawlessness and, and discord, and I think Minnesota has probably seen the worst of it when you've seen some 1,500 businesses devastated, and if you want to, um, you don't necessarily have to go to Saudi or Iran or Turkey or other devastating areas. You can go to um, the streets of Minneapolis and see the devastation of some 1,500 businesses. Lawlessness, rise of anarchy, and then there's that increasing attacks on Christians. It's, it's so increasing that it's not even catching in the news and certainly not the fake news anymore because many of the attacks come, come out of the fake news organizations, uh, increasing attacks on Christians and, and Christianity in, in churches, etc. In thanks to COVID, thanks to COVID-19 churches and Christianity in general became a gross inconvenience in 2020. Churches were, were, were either shut down or marginalized starting in March. Christians in America were harassed and even, even arrested. Christians were arrested. I talked with Paul Peterson and others from the West Coast where certain churches were, um, people were arrested for wishing to practice their faith and, and, and church was looked at almost as non-essential and, and they were arrested for meeting during, during worship even with proper distancing and, and face masks and taking the Bibles out and the books out and pew cushions out. Believers in the Mideast and Africa were slaughtered. By the hundreds and the thousands, people were, were slaughtered. Jesus said a day was coming. Would somebody grab that phone so it's not um, interrupting the message this day? Jesus said in, in, in a day there that was coming, we would be hated. You and I as established worshipers in Christ, we would be hated. We would be hated for his namesake, according to Matthew chapter 10, 22. And then this growing sense of apostasy and, 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 and wolves, wolves among the flock. Can you imagine wolves among the flock? I, I see him each and every day when I encounter certain ministers, and I can sure pastor Pastor Groves realizes in his experiences wolves in churches, pastors, Christian workers that claim to be Christian workers only in name and in their doctrines and their tenets, their convictions, their disciplines. Their, you, you wonder how do they come across as, as being Christian? Sound biblical preaching is it seems to be fading with a rise in the love for experience, emphasis on experience or emphasis on emotion or, or um, unsound doctrine or 
what can I get out of it? There, there's even the, the love of the doctrine of demons. In 2 Timothy chapter 4.1, it says that this new apostolic reformation continues to surge. It's led by Bethel Church in Redding, California, this new very false teaching with both churches and seminaries promote this Marxist critical race theory, the CRTs. And it's spreading in among all, all churches and all denominations, the Marxist critical race theory. And if you haven't heard of it, um, Google it. Marxist critical race theory. And at the same time, Bible prophecy has vanished from most pulpits as, as well as a support for Israel, a support for the Bible, being pro-Bible, pro-life, pro-Israel. It seems that you and I are experiencing these pre-tribulation birth pains that Jesus talks about. Birth pains. And the worst of the birth pains are certainly going to be during the tribulation. But we see a, a foreshadowing of these horrors now in the church age. Natural disasters are unprecedented, unprecedented um, globally. The destruction is heart-wrenching to watch and the suffering is unspeakable. This will increase to such a level and such a fever during the tribulation that is what that compared to what is happening now is minuscule to comparison but the stage is being set and all of the earth is is groaning the bible was very descriptive about this nearly 2000 years ago and then the continue and the rapid decline of the church. Everywhere evil is being called good, as Mike was sharing, Isaiah chapter 5, 2, evil is becoming good and good, being called evil. Aberrations, it seems like, are almost celebrated when in the book of Romans, the so-called Christian church, because Paul's letter to the church at Rome was a a letter written to Christians and that, and that they were going to start serving and worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And you can see it by all the persistent following of certain created items rather than the creation. They're serving the creation rather than the creator. Seem to um, you know and one thing that stands out in my mind, you know, and I hate to even bring it up, oh, Netflix. Net Netflix um, seemed to um, honor pedophilia with, with, um, with its cuties. Um, they feature, you know, California passed a pro-pedophile legislation removing this pedophile as, as a felony for for sex with minors, today's character of human mankind is outlined in Romans chapter 1 and 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it's all predicted. All predicted. 
for this final generation. And then there, this rise of a strong illusion that even the very elect, even the very core of the preachers and the teachers in the core of Christianity will, will be deluded, this strong delusion. So much delusion arose in 2020, it's, it's incalculable. What, what thinking, pers thinking person wants to abolish the police. What thinking person wants all police abolished or, or thinks America is a racist nation or destroys the economy over a virus? Or it's you think that the Holocaust is a myth? Second Thessalonians chapter 2, because there is no love or there's a decrease, decreasing love of the truth, the life and the way, this will then cause people to fall and fail for the lies of the Antichrist. This, this COVID, um, we call it 19, but it seems like those of us who have read 1984, we, we should ask ourselves, how COVID-19, the surveillance state, worsened. Where government intrusion and, and contract tracing abounded in 2020. People even had to register in some sectors, register to go to church so they could be traced. The goal lines could be traced. The goal was by easing government restrictions, lockdowns, quarantines, and even face masks kept changing. And clearly society is, was being prepped for the um, Antichrist here even in 2020. And around the world, people are being turned into almost mind-numbed robots, many cowering in fear by the fake news. Which has created really a longing for a savior. With the world in this meltdown mode, millions are looking for just one, just one human, superhuman being. A person that could bring back a sense of what it's like to be normal, peace and prosperity. The normal person is, is waiting for such a being to occur in the wings. Most have rejected Jesus Christ. They will cheer for a, a short season for the Antichrist. That's just a short list of, of prominent events in 2020. There's many end time significances. The Bible reminds us in 1 Thessalonians Chapter 5, verses 2 through 3. For you yourselves know that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief, thief in the night, while they are saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction and will come upon them like labor pains upon a woman with, with child, and they will not escape. First Thessalonians 5, 2 through 3. 
last day events happen quickly, even suddenly. I received a book when I was not even eight years old. It was on prophecy and events to be aware of, and I've been a student of prophecy. I went to a seminary that chose not to even talk about prophecy. Last day events happen very quickly, even suddenly the word quickly in Greek word means toxos, toxos. Just remember those tic-tac pills. It's used eight times in the book of Revelation. Now think of an automobile tachometer. I, I like to use illustrations of automobiles. Now a tachometer is different than a speedometer. Speedometer registers the speed that you're going, but a tachometer measures the stress that's on the engine. That tachometer can swing very high in first gear, and as long as you keep your foot on the accelerator, tachometer. Think of an automobile tachometer which measures the working, the working speed of an engine typically in revolution per minute and it revs up. We often see sudden, say it with me, sudden destruction falling upon the wicked in the Bible. The unrepentant living during Noah's time experienced this sudden, say it with me again, sudden, and catastrophic flood in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, or chapter 6, through chapter 9, and they, they had 120 years to repent as Noah preached to them, and keep in mind that up until this time there was no rain, that the moisture that saturated the ground was more or less from ground moisture, so probably they had a difficulty thinking of the fact that the heavens were going to break forth and rain were going to come down on them. Just give them that. But they, they chose to ignore Noah, and they chose to ignore the preacher of the time, and, and judgment suddenly fell, according to Genesis chapter 6, verses 3 through 7. And have you, noticed, have you noticed that in 2020, everything has happened? How? Suddenly. Our, fa our fairly ordinary world, our ordinary world, vanished suddenly. Stores sold out suddenly. Fear gripped America and the world. How? Suddenly, people were ordered to suddenly totally change their lifestyles. People lost businesses of a lifetime. Suddenly, a U.S. president went from popular to the cause of the problem suddenly. 
people became so real, suddenly. Cities turned into ghost towns, suddenly. Humankind became lovers of self, treacherous, without self-control, suddenly. A cries, cries for global government transpired suddenly as only a one world system could slow down the wreckage. In virtual, a word that wasn't really even a part of our vocabulary, virtual became the new way of doing all things suddenly. The U.S. economy went from best ever to horrible suddenly. Church, church went from essential to irrelevant in the eyes of the world and the fake news suddenly. Hollywood suddenly stopped making sick movies as theaters suddenly closed. Order turned to chaos suddenly with racial, racial overtones and tensions. And that tension suddenly turned in lawlessness. Lawlessness turned to anarchy suddenly in the cry for police. The cry for police protection suddenly turned to abolish the police. Common sense simply turned suddenly into strong delusion. Now, is there a message in all of this for ourselves? Something, something will happen suddenly. The rapture of the church, it will take place in the twinkling of an eye. My daughter, Joy, the medical doctor said that's like one thirtieth of a blink. That's pretty quick, folks. That's so fast it can hardly even be measured. Father, this morning when God begins to move, God doesn't waste a moment, but God does take a time to warn before he judges. And God seems to be telling us that things are going to change for eternity suddenly by way of the rapture of the church. We've prayed for people this morning that are members of this church and are hospitalized or recuperating at home. We brought before you the names and the faces of people and those by way of television and radio and YouTube and Facebook. We, we do pray for their needs. We pray for our country this coming week. We, we pray for your peace. Your peace that truly passes understand, all understanding. We ask, O oh Lord, that we would be supportive of Israel because God's word says those who bless Israel will be blessed and we want to be blessed.
but those who curse Israel shall be cursed. And for Israel's 72 years of history, I have no doubt that God wants to see Israel and the Jewish people prosper in every way, and we shall prosper. A movement of God moved the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem in 2018, something every United States president promised and then abandoned. I sense that if Israel were attacked tomorrow, the U.S. would somehow intervene. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we ask, Lord, for your wisdom and your guidance. We're going to be held accountable for the convictions because we are called to be the light of the world. We are called to be the, um, the salt, the light, the leaven. With every head bowed and every eye closed and Christians in prayer and those by way of television and radio and YouTube and Facebook, can you join me in this prayer? Dear Lord, give me your wisdom. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Forgive my sins, O Lord. Come into my heart and life. Help me to repent and seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you turn to your bulletins at this time, please? And join me in a prayer printed in your bulletin, our offertory prayer. God of all generations, as we worship today, we offer our whole selves to you, all that we have and all that we are. Like your saints who have gone before us, we pray that you will help us be bold in our mission, in our witness. May we who have been given so much give freely, ministering in your compassion to the multitudes near to us and far from us, so that one day we may stand amidst the multitude that gathers at your heavenly throne. We pray in the name of our Savior and Redeemer, Christ our Lord. Amen. Would you stand with me for the benediction, please?
Almighty God, deserving of all our honor and our praise, we do bring these gifts this morning, remembering that the offering you truly seek is the offering of our whole lives, our minds, our bodies, our souls, and our spirits. Help us, we pray, to live a life that is worthy in your sight. When we struggle and when we stumble, help us up and put us on the path of righteousness. And on the advice of the Apostle Paul, may our lives be focused on whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, so that our offering may be pleasing in your eyes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do we have any announcements that need to be made? Mike and Kathy? Any other hands? G. G. You want me to come down there?